You may have played poker, but playing poker in Texas is a different animal. This is the Texas Poker Podcast with Tyler and Clint. Hello, this is the Texas Poker Podcast. I'm Tyler. This is Clint. What's up, y'all? And we are back. Yeah, this is a kind of a uh, cool episode we have. A new poker room opened up in Houston called Champions. And we went to the opening. And the cool thing about this poker room is, I don't know if Phil Helmuth is part owner or if he's just kind of the front guy or what. I, I hear he's part owner of it. But he had a really cool meetup game that, uh, to open it up. And me and Tyler went. It was just a ton of people there. I mean, it seemed like the list of players was endless, right? And I guess, are they all Phil Hummuth's friends, maybe? I don't know. But it just seemed like, I mean, almost a who's who, right? Oh, it was kind of crazy. Like, I knew, like, Johnny Vibes would be there. I knew a couple, but I did not realize how many kind of big names in poker here. And we and Tyler uh, got on a table with a ton of them. And it was a, a kind of a really cool experience. I know... I mean, for all the shit Phil Hellmuth gets, he must have a somewhat decent reputation to pl- uh, like in the poker world for all these people. Because we were talking about it, and when Johnny Chan opened up his room, there was nothing even close to this. Whereas Phil Hellmuth opened this up, and I mean, it was the I mean, it was Johnny Vibes was there, Dan Jungleman, Sean Deeve, Alan Keating. I mean, the list just goes on and on. Uh, Jeff Platt, and so. Yeah, and um, right whenever I sat down, I ended up sitting right next to Jungle Man for the first in the first table. Yeah, it was uh, the first table I was at. I was uh, I I get sit down. He's like, "This is a wild one three game," and I get I get, I sit down with my four hundred dollar stack. Not a, a super short buy in for one three. I'm probably the guy to my right has about how much I do, and the guy to his right has has about how much we do. And then everybody else on the table had probably like four grand plus in front of them. Uh, Phil Hellmuth was on the table. Alan Keating was on the table. Sean Deeb was on the table. And some more names popped up as uh, later on. But those were the first three I saw. And I mean, it was a crazy table. It really seemed like you were kind of like on the main table because I was playing with Jungle Man, but it was definitely the end of his um, time at that table. And the only interesting hand I had, he was loving the bomb pots, the double board bomb pots. I'll kind of just give you the very brief rundown of the situation because um, it wasn't horribly interesting. But I had a queen high flush, but it was one of the ones where like the ace was out there on that same suit. And then the river was the king. So I had the nut flush on one board. Okay. And I had the highest flush you could have on the other, but it was a paired board. Okay. And in this situation, um, you know, it had been kind of small betting. So the queen eight, so you, the queen eight was it you, you had the same flush on both boards, right? Correct. Okay, but one of the you. boards was paired, so it wasn't nut nut. Okay, I got you. I just want to make sure it wasn't the other, other suits that you had. Okay, I got you. And here's a thought here. So whenever I've made it like, you know, $30 and got two callers and then made it like 50 and got two callers, how much are you betting um, this river? You're never just potting it with the nuts, right? 
Because here's my thought is I always kind of go back and forth with these because like if you have the nuts and good showdown value on the other board, right? Because I still have the best flush you could have on right. the other board. Is Aside from a boat, I'm winning. Um, I only bet 100 because I think, I think I bet 15 and then 30 and then bet 100 instead of potting it. Okay. What do you what do you think of that strategy when you have good showdown value on both boards, trying to get called, not potting it to get folds to win both? I think I like this better. Okay, because one you can get called lighter, and you could get called one or two ways and scoop. I mean, if somebody just got like a really high flush on yours, maybe the second nut flush. Uh, but I've noticed, like my strategy used to be just like hit it really hard and hope to to take the pot down. So I don't have to chop the pot. Problem is, is it works when you do, when it, when that happens. But when you just get called by one person, you're just kind of chopping this pot. And you're not getting that much money out of it. Whereas if you bet like 100 and you get both calls and you have the absolute nuts on one board. Well, I mean, now you know you're at least getting $50 of that one person stack. And the disaster whenever you had the nuts on one board was sometimes you get called by one guy and get quartered. That was that was the disaster with that play. Well, I mean, but you can't get quartered here. Well, whenever you have the nuts and whenever you, no, I can't. Correct. Yeah. No, no, I'm saying with your strategy, whenever like you'd have like the nuts straight, then he would also have the nuts straight and something better on the other board. Oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah. So, cuz I remember that would happen. Um like whenever I was using that strategy, and that was always just, I mean, would just kill the night. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just yeah. When you can have like the nut straight, nut straight, and then like there's another on the other board, there's a flush. Then I mean, yeah. A lot of times you'll just end up quartered. Uh, I kind of like this strategy. I don't. I think both have merits. I'm not sure one is that much better on the other than the other on this one. But I definitely like the strategy of like betting smaller, trying to get called. You're basically trying to get called by by both players rather than just take it down or by one. So I bet a hundred, and Jungle Man goes. I just don't care about this money. And I was like, oh, why didn't I bet more? <laughs> so he goes, I just don't care. I'm not folding. And just throws $100. And he has a seven high flush. Oh, wow. And that's, that's... just it. And then I uh, I won that pot. And that was my big pot of the night. Um, I was up pretty good with that. Um, and then I tried seeing if I could ever bluff this one guy. Apparently, I tried for about $400 worth. And... Could never get him to fold once. He just calls all sorts of random stuff. Um, I ended up profiting just like, I think it was like a hundred something dollars that night. I mean, it was a gigantic night for me on that. Yeah, that's what I was saying. For me, it was kind of a slow, because you were like in the main table. My big highlight, I played that one-hand jungle man. Then Jeff Platt came over, and he was super cool to play with. Um, I didn't really get involved in that many hands with him, though. And um, he kind of, I don't want to say left early, but... I'm sure he was there for a long time, but from when I was there, right? Because they had stuff. They had to be – everyone was talking about what they had to do early in that morning, like the next day. Mm-hmm. And so he said he had to go. He's already been out late or whatever. It was already like past midnight. So um, my table ended up just being just a regular 1-3 game while your table over there looked like just – there was yelling and screaming and all the famous people. I was like, dang, Clint really kind of lucked out on this one. Looks like he's right in the thick of things over there. Oh, 100%. It's a, uh, so I, when I got on there, like the ones, like it was a crazy table, mostly fueled. I don't know if this guy is famous or not. His name was Marcus, 
But I, mean. <laughs> I don't. I mean, he seemed to know like a lot of the the players. I don't know if he just played with them like a night before or something. But he was very deep stacked, and he was just playing all kinds of crap for like gigantic amounts of money, and it was really fueling a ton of action for the game. So it's a uh, so the game is just going crazy, and a lot of players get intimidated. Like I know we get a lot of I get a lot of questions on like these wild tables, and they're like, "Well, the variance is you can't play real poker. You can print money at these games." I mean, the problem is, is you really can't play any pre-flop hands that you're not willing to basically get it all in with. So, it's almost like playing short stack in a tournament, right? Yeah, like it kinda you is. know, whenever, whenever you're going to get a mix up in this hand, you better be ready to rip it, kind of thing. Well, if they're straddling bet big and they're and they're betting light, then I mean, you basically uh, just have to be willing to go, and you're not wrong because I mean, basically, you're. It's exactly what it is. Is the tournament that tournament you're short stacked? Basically, you're four hundred, but you're playing short stacked when the when the going rate is fifty to a hundred to see a flop. No, hundred percent. I mean, if it's a hundred to see a flop and you have four hundred, I mean, you can rip it with all sorts of stuff. Because if you take down that hundred, I mean, that's huge for your stack. Oh yeah. Uh, now this play, I'm not certain of. This was a <laughs> on this one. This I think this might be a little light. Uh, a player straddles to 15. So there's two calls, and then a player raises to 50. And this was actually one of the players who was playing fairly correct. Uh, I have queen jack of hearts. Oh, boy, I'm not like where this is going. <laughs> so I jam queen jack of hearts for 350. I'm like, well, this is a pretty damn good hand for how this player, this, this table is going. And all this. So, I mean, this is a three-bet hand, but I can't go to 150. Uh, so, I mean, it's one of those that... I don't know what I'd, I... I probably should be three-betting smaller here rather than jamming. Yeah, because I was thinking about just mucking, but... Um. I mean, obviously... Definitely possible, too. <laughs> uh, but I don't know. Like, at a, very, at a table where it's just... Everybody's going crazy. I feel like Queen Jack of Hearts is a little... A little strong to just muck uh well here's my thing is it's not the crazy player who made it 50 though that's that's my issue here oh 100 percent. you're you're not wrong so but i mean that's just my theory i don't i don't even know what happened to this hand but my thought would be just to muck it so yeah like i say i mean it's kind of a uh i guess i could actually just i i probably the pride of the move is probably just a call here maybe I'm sticking with mocking it, but go ahead. Okay. So you you rip it. I rip it. Uh, the straddle calls and everyone else folds, and he has 7-8 off. So it's heads up? Yeah. Okay, that's uh, perfect. Then. We run it twice, and we end up chopping. So okay. I mean, not the best, obviously, but not the worst, because you still win that dead money, right? So Yeah, I mean, that was kind of my thinking on that. I mean, like... On this high variance game, I was gonna I'm gonna run everything twice, and there's gonna be like the raises are so big, the straddles are so big. I mean, there's a 15 and then two calls, so 15, 30, 45. There's a hundred dollars of dead money. I wonder what that guy who opened a 50 had. Uh, he told me, I think, I think he had he had a, I think a better hand than me. I I believe it, but I mean a hundred percent. I believe that. <laughs> I, I forget. He might have had just a pocket pair like nines or eights or something. But uh, it will, he was actually a decent player. Well, I'm just wondering why he didn't call you. 
Well, I mean, because the I'm, straddle called. I mean, when I jam three fifty, it's pretty strong. True, but I was just thinking. Well, I guess I was thinking he had a little bit better than like pocket eights. I was thinking he probably had like ace king, ace queen, something like that. But well, I mean, it's just one raise. I mean, he I'm, it definitely has. I mean, for a raise pot, definitely. I mean, he was he was strong enough not to be that tight. How deep is he? That's also a, he was just goddamn had all well, the money. I well, mean, that's, we that's were, the we, answer. Then actually, I mean. we were uh, at this table where everybody had like two to three thousand. He was the deep stack. Well, then that that's the answer because if you get called by the straddle, he doesn't want to play a gigantic pot with, you know, some marginal holding or something that might not be like that he would normally call you with. But once the straddle calls and they're both super deep, makes sense that he'd fold. That's uh, that's because that's what I was saying. How is he folding to that? But if he's super deep and the straddle super deep, it makes a ton of sense. So yeah, it was a uh, so it was kind of these hands kind of over and over again. Uh. Like, I've been, so, I mean, obviously, you're kind of card dead when you're this hamstrung, because you're only playing, like, pretty good holdings. Uh, I end up with queen, nine of diamonds. I end, I raised to 25 over, I guess there was no straddles here, because, I mean, it, it would have been way more. The same player who has, uh, who just, called, who went all in with 7-8 offsuit, raises to 200. I tell him I'm just never. I tell him never folding to you. I jam it all in there. He calls. We run it twice and end up chopping. He had king ten off. Oh wow! So I mean, he was ahead, but I mean, I think my queen nine is ahead of his range. At that point, I mean, I mean obviously you got seven. If he's doing the seven eight off, it's definitely ahead of his range. Right. Well, you haven't painted much of a picture for us on this player, so it's kind of hard for us to tell, right? I don't know who this guy is. I don't know what. I mean, other than that, he went all in with seven eight offsuit. I mean, is he going all in every hand, every other hand? Uh, How much money does he have? The vast is he... majority is he's super deep and betting and three betting. I mean, at least eighty percent. Right. Yeah. So that that also plays you know a role in it. Yeah. So kind of. So this is where things kind of take a big turn. Here is uh, same exact thing. There's a bunch of straddles to fifteen. I have ace nine of spades. Uh, I make it 75 over them. Okay, now this is where we're starting to get on the same page. I'm liking this. The wild player makes it 500. Okay. I'm not, this isn't the worst. I mean, when it comes around, I mean, he, I know he'd do this with like king, queen, king, jack. I know he'd do it with his probably lesser aces. I'm like, I'm just not folding here. I jam it and I jam it and I have like a probably like 200 more than he does. Uh, he then he's a. Uh, I think it was like a like a hundred fifty dollar more raise or something off that. He calls and he has do seven offsuit, and I'm good on it. We run it twice. I'm good on both boards, and that's kind of where it takes off from there. Is like because at that point that was like a I probably won seven hundred dollars on that hand, giving me like a fourteen hundred dollar stack. Yeah, that's huge. That play I did like. I like that play a lot there. And now that you've kind of given us a better understanding of this player, because I don't even know, you know, I only other than knowing that the game is crazy, I don't know how often he's ripping it in, how often he's raising. You know, yeah. makes that queen nine him make a little more sense as well. Yeah, it's one of those that definitely, I mean, definitely can fold there, but I mean, at the same token. Well, player dynamic is big, right? So, I mean, this, this guy is three betting 80, 90% of his hands. Yeah. And he's just gambling with any two cards. Queen nine all of a sudden is a pretty much a premium. Yeah, 100%. Right. But, you know, 
Yeah. It just helps if we knew, you know, all that, that this guy, how wild this guy is. It's crazy because I wonder what that guy does for a living. Like, I did he just, know. like, you know what I mean? Like, isn't it always weird whenever, like, you see people, like, all these, like, super deep games and just kind of makes you wonder, right? Yeah, because, I mean, some of them you're like, okay, they're professional poker players. But the others, obviously, that aren't, they have shitloads of money. I mean, yeah, it's, you're definitely wondering. I mean, well, it's like we always say, like how it's like just because someone is wants to gamble or is not playing good poker does not mean they're not successful in life. And you know, most of the time they are. Oh, right, <laughs> way more successful than all the better players at that uh, table. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's just so interesting watching it at the poker table. Like better and I mean, more successful, smarter. I mean, they just they just <laughs> don't give a shit. I mean, like he was even better looking than me. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> it's a uh, so so. I mean, this is kind of like just kind of like just this game is just off the rails. Uh, like I was playing, like Phil Hellmuth was only on the table for thirty minutes. Alan Keating was probably only there for forty-five minutes, uh, and then they got replaced. Like Dan Jungleman came over there and was playing. So it was, I mean, it was a very cool environment. Uh, that. The drunk guy who was adding fuel was also kind of dominating the conversation, so I didn't really talk to anybody, but it was still cool being around everybody at that. I mean, it seemed like he was dominating the room. I mean, he was dominating the conversation on our table, too. <laughs> yeah, it was getting, it was pretty crazy. Uh, let me see. I've got one hand. The button raises to 15. I'm in the big blind with ace four. I believe this is offsuit, but. On against a button raise, I will. I'll definitely call here. I think I got. Uh, I think my uh, range is bet is better than that. Well, if, so it folds to the button. He raises, and you're in the big blind. Yeah. Yeah. This is. Good. I like this. Uh, flop is ace eight six with two diamonds. He bets twenty five. Just a call. Yeah. I call. The turn is an eight, so it's now the flop is ace eight six. Turn is an eight. He bets forty five. I mean, I'm still holding on here pretty hard, I think, right? He's a pretty good, he's that same player who I said was pretty good. I think against good players, you have to be willing to they're going to barrel more turns and I think you have to call a little bit more often than like a regular 1-3. Uh I call 45. Well, another thing is if he's betting kind of that wide if he's raising the button with the hands he should be, you're still going to be ahead here a lot. I, I 100% agree. Uh, the river's a queen, which is actually a great card for me. Right, because now your kicker doesn't play for everyone. So if he has a better ace other than ace king, you're chopping. Yeah, he bets one twenty five. I at this point, once I get here and I get this exact card, I'm never. I'm well. I mean, I'm never folding for this amount. So I I call basically snap it. Yeah, I mean, all this seems perfectly standard. I would even say. And he snap mucks. So it's definitely a. You hate to have you play perfectly standard and him be bluffing. You know what I mean? Like as that player, like that's always a bummer. Like every decision you made was like pretty, pretty basic and standard, right? I would say. I think so. Yeah. But I'm just saying, like that's kind of a. You hate that whenever that's like your decisions are all basic and easy, and his was trying to get you to fold. It's like, dang. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. 1,000. That's like whenever you were like bluffing into the nuts almost. You're just like, God. <laughs> like, <laughs> they didn't even think about it. So, yeah. It was, uh, yeah, definitely didn't. Yeah. Uh, you, you, that guy at least wanted to sweat there. I mean, to Here, not. Here's something interesting for you. Here's something that Jonathan Little used to say back in the day. Um, okay. 
and I don't know if this is that hand to to do this with, but just some something, some thought. Um, he used to say, even if you're going to hero call somebody and they're and you think that they're bluffing, that you should still pretend to think about it to incentivize them to try again. Like if you just make a snap call super easy, they're not going to try to bluff you again, even if like it is a standard call like that one was. Um, but if you would have like sat there and thought about it and act like you had a decision that maybe that would incentivize him to try to bluff you again. But if you're just snap calling, he's like, Ooh, not this guy. No, I will say, I think that is a really good idea. And I, I, that is along with some other things I would like to do is and like maybe like certain timing tells I have, cause I really don't pay a lot of attention to it at the table, but as moving into higher stakes, I do think it will come into play. Cause like, if you have a draw, a lot of times you call quicker because you know you you either know you have the odds or you don't. Whereas like if it's a pair or something, you have to you're sitting there figuring out if you think you're good or not. I think in general, I might need to actually look, work on my game in that aspect along with along with other things with that as well. And Ryan, obviously this well the getting the like I don't want to say fish, but someone who's bluffing a lot to continue bluffing i think that's good at the one three game if you're in that action table but the timing tells a draw versus a pair i think is more important as you move up in stakes rather than the one three one two game i think so yeah i would i would agree with all of that yeah because i'm definitely not trying to incentivize one two players to take more time (laughs) (laughs) yeah very true uh i got one more hand from this session uh I raise ace-jack off to 15. I player three bets to 50. I call. Uh, and this is one of those that's kind of dependent. I think this should be a fold against most. Actually, it should have been a fold against this player, 100%. But I say, man, your hand in, the, your hand in this session is so hard to break down. Because, like, every player you play against, one is either ripping it in with seven-deuce offsuit for, like, $800. Or everyone else is playing super good and super correct. Yeah, I that, mean, that seems about right. I mean, because these are super hard to break down. Because I was like, ace-jack, I was like, rip it all in? <laughs> and you're like, this should be a fold versus this player. Like, wait, what? Yeah. But I'm just like, it's so... Because, all I mean, like, that queen-nine hand made no sense. Then you give us context after, I'm like, oh, now it makes perfect sense. And now this one, I'm like, well, we're just going all in. Now it's a fold. I'm just... It, this yeah. one is all over the place, it seems like. It really is. I mean, and it's it's... It's kind of like you're just navigating landmines on this table. Because, like, there's probably two or three te- players that are really good and playing correct, and the others are just don't give shit a, a shit about money when they're playing 1-3. So you, everything you're saying is perfectly right. This guy was pretty good who 3-bet me. This probably should be a fold. But I think once you get in that mentality of, like, at this table that most, like, <laughs> this hands are very good for this table, it's easy to kind of like adopt that to players you shouldn't that was exactly what i was about to say is sometimes it can be really hard to kind of rein it in you know like that thinking like well this is ace jack i'm just going with it yeah kind of thing versus a guy who's playing i mean if you're playing correct you're not playing that many hands so and your three bidding range is correct ace jack isn't looking that great but yeah no uh 100 uh but he three bets, and I do call. The flop is jack-10-4. How much was the three bet again? Just because I uh, lost track. 50. And you made it 15? Uh, yes. Okay. So jack-10-4. I check and flow. He was, he, I was in an earlier position. He was the button. 
He checks. The turn is an ace. I now have two pair. Oh, man, this is about to be kind of a nasty one, I think. So, ace. So, I mean, the flop is jack-10-4. Turn is an ace. I bet 66, and he calls. Did you ever think about check-raising this one? Because the ace smashes. Definitely not. Let me, let me give you my theory at least on it. Um, all his better aces still have a gutter and they're probably call. It was just my thought. And you're probably dominating him right now. And I don't think he's folding. I mean, it's risky, but you just that never came across your mind. I mean, he's got king-queen for a straight. That, that, that part's the bummer. But, yeah, he's got pocket aces. Well, I mean, like, I granted, I'm blocking aces, but I mean... He's got pocket aces that might sometimes check on this flop. Uh, probably not, but, I mean, he's got jacks, tens. I don't know. I think that, I mean, I, I think two pair is a little, I mean, once I check raise, and, I, I mean, what, I mean, I think it's going to be tough to get called here by a lot worse. I don't know. I think ace, king, ace, queen would probably tag along here, but go ahead. I mean, I don't. I think I think this guy folds ace king ace queen, if I check raise here. Uh, I mean, it just like you have a gutter, but you have four outs. I mean, I'm not. I'm not I'll, I'm I don't play, think I'm deep enough here to justify. I'm counting that. on him to play bad. So yeah, uh, he does make the call. River and ace. So now I have aces full of jacks. Uh, I bet one forty. And he, which, what do you think about that bet? Um, so, I mean, I, I mean, one, so it's 100, we say 65, 130. So it's about, I bet 140 into about 230. Yeah, and I'm, I'm again on the same theory of why I wanted the check raise on the turns. I'm betting a lot bigger here. I'm, I'm probably like over betting if I had to, if I was guessing. Um, because I think, I still think he has like, Ace King, Ace Queen, better, better holding, um, and I think we're gonna get called by a big bet here. I think he'll call off a big bet. Um, I'm gonna bet pretty big here. I bet 140. He kind of tank calls with Ace King. Yeah. So again, all yeah. that is oh, man. I was right on the money with this, huh? Yeah, you uh, definitely were. I mean, you definitely uh, nailed this hand right here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like I said, I'm check raising the turn and I'm blasting off on that river. But um, that's just my thought. Uh, I still, I still think the check raise is kind of light. I mean, I don't know why, I don't know why this guy would call with just ace king here on a check raise turn when, when there's a ton of two pairs and sets and everything. I don't know. I and see people get, pot. I see people get stacked all the time with ace king on an ace high board for so much money. Seems like people like to call. Uh, maybe. I mean, well, I mean, also, well, yeah, I do, I do like your thought on the. I probably doesn't check through that often because what I mean, what is he three betting that's not I that mean, doesn't have some equity here? Hundred percent, my point. Yeah, uh, I you're kind of selling me on that. Uh, I, I I don't know that check raise with king queen suited being a, a three bet hand a lot. I mean, uh, we're we're worried about one specific combination of cards, right? But. I yeah. think more he's going to have ace-king, ace-queen, stuff like that. Ace-ten. So, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot more. There are a lot more there. I don't know if I get action or not from them, but there are a lot more there. So, interesting hand. 
Yeah, uh, no, definitely interesting hand. But I definitely like the overbet on the river there. Either way, on the run out, but yeah, that yeah, I probably should be going for more. He literally, it almost looked like he was gonna fold. Like I say, this player was was be- better than your average player. Uh, but so I mean, I he definitely thought of folding for I mean, a minute. You might have gotten the dead maximum. So yeah, I mean, it did not look. I mean, it was definitely not a snap call. Uh, and he was not re-raising, so I don't. I mean, like I said, he was definitely doesn't good. sound like he was calling an over bet, but yeah, it's a. Uh, so we, I end up cashing out for. Well, I end up making about seventeen hundred off the uh, champions deal, like being at a just a crazy wild table. There were a couple big bomb pot hands. I'm not going to go over them on this because we've covered enough hands for this uh, session, and there's they're just so bad on a podcast, but a uh, just a gigantic winning session at a crazy table full of celebrities so that was really cool uh the room itself super cool too i mean i think i saw online they have hotel rooms upstairs too if you want to stay there yeah that was something probably i mean because we have people who listen to this podcast that are not in texas or might be in austin san antonio i know we get a lot of listeners in florida i think somehow (laughs) yeah uh but uh, there are actually hotel rooms. It's actually built into a... This room is built into a hotel. So there's hotel rooms right there where you can stay and be able to play. Uh, and let's say, I mean, super nice room. They have a live stream table. The TVs are kind of in like a... Are very big and kind of a motion where they're very easy to see and all that, which I always like because I like to watch the games a little bit. Uh, just... One of the, I would say, one of the nicer rooms that I in Texas. In Texas, I mean, we just kind of keep upping the scale over and over again, and this is another one of them. Here's something I liked. It's a, it's definitely a timed game. So, if that's playing a factor in um, your decision on where you play, there's definitely one that is a timed game. So that's nice to see. I like that more and more. I mean, like you said, me and you are on the same page. I'd like to see everything be a timed game. Uh, for a long time, I would not play in anything that wasn't. Uh, and I still would try to do the majority of them. I mean, and I like seeing that these new rooms that are really, really big, really, really good are going to that. Because Houston's kind of gotten away from it a little bit. I think it's very bad for poker in Houston. No, I agree. But, um, yeah, definitely like to see that. Definitely, like, everyone who went there was saying that they liked kind of the vibe, the feel, the room was super nice. Um, just the whole atmosphere. I mean, I'm kind of repeating myself with that. But just the whole thing was just a very nice poker room. Yeah. I mean, I hope hopefully they do well. Uh, I won't lie. I am a little nervous. Cause just because poker is so competitive in Houston. There's so damn many places to play, and the player pool is only so big. But I'll tell you what, if one had my rooting interest, it'd definitely be this one. So we'll kind of see, because like it's it's hard to compete for the players out there. Absolutely. Um, I guess we have another session from last night, right? Yeah. Or did you have another session to cover too? Because I only played that one and the last one that were noteworthy. Did you play another one between there that we need to talk about, or are we good to go on to the one from yesterday? Uh. We have I have one other one I'll uh, cover, and I'm just going to cover one hand from this session. Cause oh, it, yeah, I do remember this one, yeah. It was one of the more interesting hands I've uh, I played. Let me go to my notes real quick. So these were on the text message, and this one will be a, 
on the yeah, because I was on this one. I think, I think I covered this session for me, but you had so many hands that you haven't actually covered this one. So this will be because I remember this was a super interesting spot. So one of the yeah, one of the more interesting that I have. Uh, so I, th- I'm only kind of like I say, just one session, one uh, hand from this session. I have ace queen suited in middle position. The straddle is to six. I make it twenty five. There's two two calls. A player says, I'm checking my pocket pair in the dark. The flop is 10-7 deuce with two diamonds. I kind of down bet, as I'm, I tend to do in these spots, which I found that I think I need to increase this bet size a little bit when it's multi-wide. Uh, but I bet 25. That player who says, I'm checking my pocket pair in the dark, Raises to 135. And, and this is a draw-heavy board. Yeah. It's, so it's flush draws out there, and it's what? It's 8, 10. 10, 7, deuce with two diamonds. I have ace, queen, of diamonds. He, 135 says he, says he flopped a set and shows me a deuce. I mean, this is one of those that I kind of almost give him credit for. I mean, like... I raised it to 25. He says he has a pocket pair beforehand. I don't know what's calling me that has a deuce in it that's not a but pocket you said, pair. So this is three ways? It's three ways. And how much did you bet on the flop? I bet 25. And the other guy called? The other guy folds. Okay. Um, and he raises to 135? Yeah. It's a gigantic raise. And um, how deep are we here? So I must have been about, probably about three, three fifty behind. Uh, Wait, no, sorry, I would have been more. Uh, I, I must have been about five hundred or so. Is this a fold? I, I mean, mean, I was just super lost on what to do here. I mean, when somebody, I mean, even five hundred behind, I think this is. I mean, you could be turned dead, which is always a bummer. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, this is one of those I did not really know whatsoever. I mean, but I mean, I have a draw to the nuts here. I don't. I'm trying to put them on something, but and it does seem like I, something that would raise to 135 might be a set of deuces. Just scared of the oh, draws, 100%, right? A hundred percent. This seems like a set to me. Uh, I mean, this big bet size seems just like a set. I mean, I haven't been this lost in a while. I think of jamming. I think of folding. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't like jamming. Uh, uh, I think I like folding, actually. I decide that, I mean, if, ace, if I have ace-queen of diamonds and I flop this strong, I need to have some type of calling range and that this is just too strong to fold here. So I settle on a call and reevaluate the turn. That's definitely, I mean, that's definitely, I like that way more than I like jamming. I hate jamming. Okay. Uh, so I end up deciding on a call. Uh, what is it? The turn is a king. So it, I was in middle position. He was in the. Blind. Uh, so he check he checks to me on this turn king. Mm-hmm. 
He's never checking a set here. Yeah, I check behind because I'm like, well, I've, I've got ace high and a drain, and I don't know that on yeah, here. Yeah, but he, he, this, the set of deuces is over now to me. Yeah, uh, the, the river's a diamond giving me the nuts. I'm definitely betting here. Uh, if you're I don't out get of a position, chance. Oh, he just ships it and you call. He, he bets 200. Uh, all in. And then, yeah, obviously I jam and then he folds. But it was one of the strangest hands I've played in a while. Because, I mean, how in the world? Like, I mean, you do all that to convince me you have a set of deuces. And then when I call, you jam the diamond flush. Now, it's just super, one of the weirdest hands I've played in a minute. Yeah, that seemed, I mean, just super poorly played on his part. Um, that bet should have been on the turn and probably would have worked. Yeah, I think, I mean, 100%, I, mean, I think so. If you're saying you have a deuce on a super draw-heavy board, and then... I mean, at that point, I have a gutter I have a gutter to the nuts, and I have a flush draw. So, I mean, it's going to have to be a bet, a sizable bet. I don't but... know, I'm thinking it is. I mean, I'm thinking that that's when, I mean, yeah. Like, yeah. But I definitely think this is a fold here. Uh, if, so. if he bets, I mean, if he bets like 200, I think you'd probably fold, right? If you only have three, 400 behind, and you have... Probably so, yeah. Probably, yeah. At that point, probably should, yeah, should be folding. But definitely don't wait till all the draws come in and then try I betting mean, after just, you say you had a made hand, and then it, once everything that comes in beats you, I mean, yeah, super weird. Because I mean, he did a good job of convincing me he had a set on the flop. I mean, I don't know. I guess you wouldn't give someone that much information if you have a set, no matter how scared you are of the draws. But people do stupid shit all the time, so I did give some pot plausibility to it uh but i end up making 430 off that session at cypress poker lounge uh in a in a very strangely played hand and i'm not even sure if the call on the flop is good i mean if he if he does bet that turn i'm in a weird spot and maybe i should just be folding there i have no idea yeah like i said i liked the fold originally but happy uh, you won i mean that, yeah. that part i like yeah i'm still not sure that the fold wasn't the better the better move uh so it was on there uh last night i don't think i took some what happened to your pocket tens hand I thought that was a big hand we never covered that i don't even remember pocket tens hand it's a uh <laughs> oh, i mean it was the most noteworthy hand of the month <laughs> but i mean i have no idea what did i it was worse the guy with uh the straddle guy who was playing pool or whatever uh don't know. Don't remember it at all. Have no have no recollection of this hand. <laughs> I mean, you shipped $1,000 in with pocket tens and don't remember. But all right. <laughs> I mean. Wait, shipped $1,000 in? I wasn't even $1,000 behind. I was, I was like. Where have you been? I was I, there to watch. I, 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 I broke there even to, last night. I not wasn't last even, night. I'm talking about the, uh, earlier. Like earlier when? You're out for zero. What do you mean? Oh, God damn. Oh, I mean, God is, damn. Okay. Like, I'm like, what is happening? How do you not remember? I mean, this is the biggest hand of the month, and you're not even... I'm like, Ugh. where have you been? I'm like, at least this makes sense so you don't remember. I mean... Yeah. Well, like, I mean, I blocked it from my memory. Trust uh, me, you're doing a great job of selling this on. I don't know what is happening. <laughs> okay, so this is... I'm like, Okay, we're, we're going to do a caveat. If, I mean, you can save the notes on Instagram on everything. This is maybe the worst hand I've ever played in my life. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I get it. Uh, so on this hand, I have pocket tens. 
I end up three betting, and this guy who is kind of not kind of he's playing very loose, showing bluffs, over betting ton. Yeah. Uh. So he. He calls maybe one other call. I don't remember. It was three ways. He was in the straddle. You made it twenty. You seem to have just a great memory of this. Uh, so yeah, it was uh, so on this. So it was a board of all undercards, if I remember right. It was like it was eight deuce. Eight. It was like eight deuce six. Six. No, it was eight deuce three. I think it was something where like two pair was never available. I remember that. Uh, so I end up I end up betting. There's a flush draw on board. He ends up check raising me. I call. Other guy folds. Other guy folds. The turn is a jack. I check to him. He bets pretty big here. So I'm sit- sitting here thinking. I'm like, well, okay. There's no two pairs available here. It's eight deuce three. It'd be weird for him to hit a random jack here. So, I mean, I was putting in the, the most likely hand is either a set or a flush draw. He's been bluffing. so And, I mean, it seems like a set would want to go for more value than betting big. I make the call because I can't really... I think I'm, I'm ahead of all the flush draws. And... A lot of these, a lot of these sets just. Well, I mean, the sets are obviously available. I thought it was more weighted to which flush draws, and I thought a jack would be a very weird, would be very weird to hit here. Yeah, you guys are super deep. We are super damn deep. Uh. So, the river is a complete blank. It was I forget maybe like a. Like a seven. Or six. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was a complete break. It was a... Uh, he instantly jams all in. Which is like 3x pot or 3.5x pot, something ridiculous. It was definitely well over pot. I remember that. It was a... Uh, well, it wasn't like that much. It was like it was like 1.5x pot. It was... Because I remember calculating that. Uh, it puts me all in for like 600... Six, Five hundred dollars, maybe. A lot. It was a lot of goddamn money. That's all. It was more more than that, but yeah. Uh, So I'm sitting here thinking, I'm like, well, okay, he wouldn't play Ace Jack this way. That seems like a check, like a check scenario with that much showdown. So here, he either has a set or he has a missed flush draw, and I end up convincing myself that this guy was bluffs enough that this is profitable to call. Because he's going to have some missed flush draws here, the way he played this. I've And I call, and I get stacked for, like, I mean, it was like, the entire th- the pot was, like, I, I think I put, like, 1,100 in there, 1,000 or something. A huge amount on a very shitty calls. Probably turn, probably flop, turn, and river, really. Uh, and it's one of those the that... The flop, I don't mind as much. I mean, I feel like it'd probably be pretty weak to flop an overpair on a draw-heavy board and get raised and then fold the turns when things get real they look kind of like you say that truth serum yeah but if you're going to call that flop when that when a nothing card comes on the turn i mean if you're calling based on that you think he might be on a draw that turns a weird 
Well, I mean, I guess he could just randomly have King Jack of Diamonds or something. Or something like that, yeah. True, but I would just... I could see him spazzing out on the flop is basically what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, I don't mind that one as much, but... Yeah. Uh, but I make the call. He has he flopped two pair with eight deuce. And, I mean, this is one of those that even players who bluff, for the most part, are not bluffing gigantic amounts on the river. It's just... I mean, this was... One of those, I won't even say it's a leak in my game, more just like I spazzed out for like a minute. <laughs> and I tell you what, man, this one ate into my soul, losing that much into that pot. On, It's one thing if somebody sucks out, that's part of the game. But knowing that you just made such a shitty play, ooh, ate into my soul on that one. So it was, uh, I had to take a couple days off after that because I knew I'd still be on tilt. Yeah, yeah, because the guy was telling me that he would give you more money. You could borrow money from if you wanted to come back. I was like, it's not a money thing. It's a tilt thing. That's why he left. Oh, did he say that? I didn't even uh, hear that. No, no, he didn't say it to you afterward. He told me that I, that if he if you needed to borrow money, he had cash on him. If you uh, wanted to Venmo him, I was like, wow, that is never good when people are trying to get you back at the table. <laughs> oh, yeah, 100%. And from his perspective... I mean, I was the biggest of fish. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I don't even blame him. Th- this guy was kind of a fish and thought I was fishier than him. And I, here's the thing is it was such a bad play. He is 100% justified to think that way because that's all he knows of me and on how I played that hand. And 100%, that should be his take on me. Uh, no, I had, I, had cash, I had cash for, I think, two or three more buy-ins. But I knew after that, I mean, it would have been a just a wreck of me playing. I didn't even play, like, the next two days. I was so shell-shocked. <laughs> yeah, and no, I remember. <laughs> but, yeah, that's what I told him. I was like, don't worry. I was like, he has money. He's just not coming back. Yeah, that was, uh, that was, that was hurtful. And I now understand why you were so shocked that I didn't remember that hand and very happy that I didn't. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for uh, bringing these pleasant memories back up, Tyler. I'm glad to relive these situations. Yeah, well, that's it, right? (laughs) Yeah. Tyler's like, you're a fish? I want people to know you're a fish. (laughs) We can end it. I told him I saw your legs kick like a donkey whenever you called. (laughs) I mean, 100%. Kick like a donkey. My head was flopping around like a fish. I mean, just... Like, everything you could say, I mean, exactly is what I was doing. Do you have any other interesting hands, or is that it? I think that's pretty much it. Yeah, uh, I was like, well. But, yeah, I had completely forgotten about that one, But so thank you. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, it was uh, overall a good week. I was very happy that I could actually uh, make a recovery from that, because that, that hand happened before the Champions deal. So I was very happy to kind of, you know, gain some confidence back, making some light calls that were good. From a light call that was just so horrible. Well, I guess on that note, this concludes the Texas Poker Podcast. Talk to you next week. That was the Texas Poker Podcast. Go ahead and rack up. Add time and we'll see you next week.